And welcome to Pints and Politics. Pints and Politics is a weekly discussion program of all things political, coming to you through the facilities of Trent Radio, CFFF in Peterborough, Ontario, 92.7 on your FM dial. My name is Bill Templeman. In addition to this radio show, Pints and Politics is streamed live from the Trent Radio website. We also have a podcast at pintsandpolitics.ptbopodcasters.ca, and the podcasts are also available uh, through iTunes. And every Thursday, a smallish crew of pundits gathers at the Garnet Pub, Aylmer, Aylmer and Hunter in Peterborough, at 5 p.m. for an informal gathering uh, where we, we talk about all things political. Everyone's welcome, so please join us. We also post on Twitter at Bill Temp and on the Cooperate Peterborough Facebook page. And joining me today is Stephen Wright, who's running in Northcrest. Welcome, Stephen. Oh, thank you, Bill. All right, Stephen, uh, my first question, as I'm asking all the candidates, is why... Now, you and I ran together in Northcrest um, in 2014, and you've chosen to do it again. Why? <laughs> Not because I'm a glutton for punishment, but... Uh, you know, the last time I ran, it was over an issue of property tax when my uh, property tax bill came in. Right. I was rather disturbed by the fact that there was no service level increases, but yet year over year I was facing, uh, it's going to be about 28% property tax increase. And talking to other residents, they felt the same way as well that, you know, for what they get for services in the city compared to what they pay in taxes was a little bit off balance. This time again, I'm running because I believe we made some inroads. The last eight years, council have somewhat had a distracted focus on the big picture issue. The parkway came up, the casino came up. But the number of building lots in the city compared to the number of economic lots for development for commercial hasn't increased at all. And in fact, opportunities for students leaving Trent and Fleming does not really exist here in Peterborough. Okay. Now, when you and I ran in 2014, I started in knocking on doors and I declared in May, started knocking on doors the very end of June, beginning of July, went all summer. And you waited till the very last day, the end of September. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, it, it causes me, uh, it caused me a great deal of envy when I saw the results because I came in a third at 1918 votes, something like that. And you were right behind me at 1,400. And I said, how did this guy do this? Well, well you know, I went out there aggressively to, to talk to voters and uh, get their feedback on issue. And I actually took the time off this campaign, the entire month of uh, August and September, to get to more doors to talk to more residents this time around. I think the issues are a little bit too important for us to not get in front of the people who are the true stakeholders right. and get their feedback and get them motivated to ensue some change in October. Now, speaking about Northcrest, I mean, the place has a reputation as being fairly conservative. And of course, uh, Andrew Beamer and David Hakey uh, representing them now. Where's the vulnerability up there? Well, uh, for, for a conservative, for, for a non-conservative candidate like yourself. Yeah, well, the vulnerability, I think, you know, whether it was uh, a liberal-leaning or a conservative-leaning candidate was anybody who supported the sale of PDI. You know, when we have an overwhelming percentage of the population saying they were opposed to the right. uh, sale of PDI. Back when I made a deputation before council, I actually spent some time getting signatures on a petition. And the overwhelming response was back then is why would they sell a profitable organization as opposed to growing its business model? And, you know, it's going to present some challenges, I believe, for Mr. Beamer and Mr. Hakey in this election. 
because I come to it as a true independent voice where you have to represent the interest of the voters of Peterborough, not yourselves or any, you know, we shouldn't be whipping votes on council. This is not a political party yeah. structure. Now, in terms of the other issues, we've talked about PDI. What else do you think you're going to hear about at the doors? Well, you are at the doors now, yeah, right? I'm at the doors now. So what are you hearing? You know, we're still hearing the employment opportunities for Trent and Fleming grads. You know, you know there are those that are here that are in the middle income bracket. That, you know, my age range, which, which I think is fairly young. <laughs> you know, right. you know, they're yeah, saying yeah. what's what's our opportunities here? You know, we're we're on the one fifteen to Toronto uh, pretty much every day to earn a living. If we're not on the one fifteen, there are twenty eight heading towards Colbert, Belleville, Trenton yeah. for their employabilities. So that's a concern for people at the door that we're still hearing, especially uh, in in the newer subdivisions that are being built. The rate of property tax that they're being paid on a, a home value to Four hundred thousand dollars. A tax bill attached to it is in the neighborhood of five thousand dollars, and you know when they do the comparative to say Oshawa, uh, you know they believe that they are paying a lot more for the services that they're actually getting. Now, one thing that uh, surprised, and, and we've talked about this before, but uh, uh, certainly surprised me when I was knocking on doors in North Crest is the amount of poverty. In other words, you go up to a door, you think this is a single family house, and there's four or five mailboxes. Oh, you know, it is, it's a harsh reality of Peterborough because even homeowners are realizing now between the shared economy as means of paying their mortgages that they're renting to students. Uh, what you would perceive to be the single family home has been partitioned out into six or seven just bedrooms. And then, then that's a reality for folks saying that we got to pay the mortgage and the only way to do it is to have somebody else chip in on that cost. There, We have to address not only the root cause of poverty in Peterborough, which you know emanates back to lack of employment opportunities, but also uh, deal with the issue of affordable housing. And right. So we've got to look at you know even our tax model and say, well, does our tax model push even our seniors in a position where they now have to start uh, dividing up their home to take in residents in order to offset the cost of living? And we're talking seniors where their mortgages are almost paid off. It's just with their pensionable amounts, they can't find enough money to pay their utility bills, grocery bills, and the property tax amount. Now, what is what can the city's role be in economic development? You know, I mean, Peterborough has the reputation of being this lunch pail town. Someone told me that back in the 1930s, it was the fourth largest production center in Canada, you know, GE, Evinroot, West Clocks, et cetera, Outboard Marine, all that. And of course, all that's gone, more or less. I mean, GE's down to a skeleton crew of 100 employees, yeah. and it used to be 7,000. Yeah. So what is the strategy? Well, Peterborough is a significant, council has a significant role it can play in economic development. You know, our prime minister does trade missions, our premiers do trade missions, but at no point in time ever we ever had a solid representation from Peterborough or the region to say, listen, my passport's ready, my bags are packed, and we're going to secure deals that get signed for this region as well. Further that, we can actually, you know, entrench our partnership with Trent and Fleming. We know what they teach. We know what programs those students are graduating from. It, you know, part of the lobbying efforts of City Hall is to look for those same types of created class employer. And I'll give you an example, Bill. The RCMP years back started to cut costs on its crime lab. Trent has a, a, an excellent program in um, 
its uh, forensic science initiative. And I believe that City Hall should aggressively lobby the federal government uh, to land a second crime lab for the RCMP in Peterborough. Those would then be jobs that Trent graduates could actually roll into. Now, in terms of this campaign, you, you've talked about the tax issue that, of course, you, you were strong on the last the last campaign you're going to carry for. What else is top of mind for you as you go door to door? So door to door is getting more uh, seniors involved with the youth. I have a, a young neighbor who's a 14-year-old son. Who, you know, I, I've known the child since he was born. And now has found himself into a, a situation where the drugs have now entered the family life because of the young man. And, you know, I had an opportunity to sit down and actually talk to him as well and says, well, they feel as, as a young person non-voting that they're left out of the equation entirely. No services for them. They, you know, when I think back to some of the activities that we had available to us when, you know, when I was that age, in, in particular growing up in Calgary, the leisure centers, there was always activities to do that would keep you out of trouble. And here's this 14-year-old says, well, we found the group that would accept us, and this is the kind of problem that they're in. So we have to be mindful of what we do in building out the city with facilities for our young people as well. Okay, now in terms of safe communities, I see in your your uh, car here, one of the focuses is on that. What do, what do you plan to emphasize there? Well, you know, when we look at the uh, the trails, there are sections of our trails that need better lighting. So there were they, and and those are really beautiful characteristics of Peterborough. All the trail, the seventy eight kilometers of trail, it takes you all the way to Campbellford. But there are sections that need better lighting. We have seniors that are afraid to come to the inner city because they feel the issue of the panhandlers is, is, is a bit much for them to manage. So we also have to look at the systemic issues that create unsafe communities are that increases petty crimes as well. And you know, again, it sends back to making opportunities available. Okay. Now, not so long ago in council, the issue of a code of ethics came up and I remember uh, seeing some articles in the paper and I believe I made a deputation not so long ago on uh, why doesn't Peterborough do what other communities, some other communities in this part of Ontario do? They have a, an integrity commissioner, which is out of town lawyer on, on a uh, stipend, you know, uh, to vet all these complex issues that come before council. What? Where are you on that issue? I wholeheartedly support the, the need for an integrity commissioner. The level of apathy that exists within our political structure now, and or even for residents of Peterborough, you know, I've knocked on doors and I hear, can you break the old boys club? Well, my usual response is yes, but it begins with a vote from you. But I would wholeheartedly endorse the idea of an ethics commissioner so that when residents feel that there are violations, those violations can be investigated and the appropriate steps of actions be taken. Okay. Now, in terms of conflict of interest, I know we've uh, I've talked about this with a few of the other councillors. Right now, the only people who can call conflict of interest during a, a meeting or during a voting process or before a vote are, are citizens. So the actual councillors cannot call conflict on each other. But how many citizens have the time to go to all the meetings, get up to speed on all the agendas, know when the votes are taking place, to be there to call it? Like, how can that be improved? Well, that can be improved by allowing the councillors to be able to identify conflict of interest as well. And because we're dealing with a lot of issues around development, zoning, 
being able as a council to list all owned properties in the city to which that you might have any material interest uh, should also be declared. I mean, federally or provincially, your business interest has to be put in blind trust. The same in order to alleviate the possibility of any sort of nepotism is that councillors should also have to declare what they own in the city so that when developers are looking to develop lands, we know if there is any material interest and that those councillors be precluded from voting on interest uh, issues that would be of their interest. Yeah. Now, when that issue came up, I remember talking with, uh, I think it was Councillor Pappas about it, and there was some discussion at that point that, well, we already have regulations in place, and yet it seems that a councillor removing themselves from a vote due to conflict of interest, self-declared, is relatively uncommon in Peterborough. Is that your experience? That, that is also my experience. Uh, I, I don't begrudge any individual to make an income, but when your living intersects with effective public policy, go make your living and let those who can effectively draft policy draft the policy. But when you can't articulate points of views on bylaws because you might have a conflict of interest, then you're de facto non-effective counselor. Right. Now, let's look at the the voting population. Of course, up in Northcrest, there are a lot of seniors, and uh, you're meeting those people at the doors. How do you plan to vote, to reach out to the youth vote, such as it is? (laughs) It's a challenge since most of them are on break until uh, September, but... We want to try and engage them through events at Trent. We know that uh, in, a, in about a month, they'll be getting ready to go back to classes. So the campaign is planning a variety of uh, bring out the vote events uh, for Trent students, just on the education side, letting them know that online voting is available on the 9th and that uh, if they're ordinary residents of Peterborough, they can vote. And if they're here six months prior to the election, they're eligible to vote as well. Okay. Now, one of the other councillors mentioned that uh, she or he had read that of all the the Trent grads and Fleming grads that pass through Peterborough each year, there's only one to two percent of the people who are not from Peterborough. There's only one to two percent of the outsiders who wind up staying. They all have to go somewhere else to start their careers. So what's what can the city do to begin to turn that ship around? It's, it's recognizing that Trent and Fleming are a great contribution to Peterborough and to secure the type of partnership that we have. And it goes back to my earlier thought when it comes to youth employment. We know the level of courses that are being taught. It's then the onus of the city in partnership with Trent and Fleming to find those employers that would employ those young people and bring those type of employment opportunities to the region. On day one on council, it should have been the priority the last four years. It should have been the priority eight years ago. We know those young people pay taxes. They support our local restaurants. Um, and we wanted to buy homes and raise families here in Peterborough. And that's how we cover our costs for our infrastructure. So we have to really tighten that partnership that we have with Trent and Fleming to make sure that those creative class employers are looking at Peterborough as a great place to land their businesses as well. Okay. Now, there are some things going on in town, like the, the Venture North building, of course, the uh, innovation uh, cluster uh, and the work Michael Skinner's doing. What else could be done to sort of create more of a homegrown uh, employment scene. And I ask that because quite often the discussion at council, it sort of takes me back to the 70s. It's as if the city is looking for another major employer like GE to come and 
employ hundreds of people who will go off with their lunch pails to do shifts. <laughs> I don't think that's happening. <laughs> Large-scale manufacturing is not coming back. And the sad thing about that is the middle management jobs that went around with the manufacturing sector, they're also gone. We really have to think outside the outdated box of manufacturing as far as the opportunities and really turn to those creative class employers. Right. You know, when Tesla was looking for a home for its battery plant, there were opportunities there that we could have actually aggressively presented Peterborough, mm -hmm. even if it means working with the neighboring municipalities. So listen, if it lands in Quartha Lakes, it's an opportunity for residents of Peterborough as well. We're not up to 115. So it, we have to think outside of the outdated box of manufacturing being the savior of Peterborough. It's not going to be. Now, in 2014, online voting really took a jump up. Now, apparently only 36-37% of Daryl Bennett's supporters voted online in 2014, whereas something like close to 44% of Maria Monsef's supporters uh, voted online. Uh, of course, she appealed to a younger demographic. So how do you go about encouraging people to vote online with the view, of course, to, uh, to improving the overall popular vote? When you and I ran... I think the the vote turnout was 44, 47%. We went up 2% mm -hmm. from 2010. So, so how do we do that? And that's how we're going to get the students to actually vote because you know okay. they're walking around with their smartphone devices and that's going to get them to vote. I do plan to put out a piece mid-September with information on online voting and uh, a link to the city's website so that those students uh, can make sure that their names are on the voter list and that they're eligible to vote online. So uh, plus part of our campaign, we're going to make sure that uh, we're driving that initiative as well. Um, I had recalled doing a mail out and I did it slightly after the advance polls. And uh, that was it. So, so this time we're making sure that we get all that information out long before and, and uh, do phone outs as well. Great. Okay. Now, also, I'm lo looking at uh, your campaign flyer here, and you, you have the, a bullet around public transit. Now, what can be done th that won't cost you know an arm and a leg? What can the city do to to get more people using public transit and to make the system better? Uh, well, one of the things with public transit is you know taking it in Peterborough is uh, an exercise in patience. <laughs> Um, you know, I've, I've actually done it uh, both with Peterborough Transit and with Gold Transit, where I've actually left my vehicle in Oshawa and then from my home, got on Peterborough Transit to downtown to connect with Gold. Right. And I tell you, the amount of time that it actually takes to cross a city on public transit, it, 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 you drive. Because I can actually walk from my home to downtown probably quicker than the bus actually between the time you wait for yeah. one to show up and for one to get you downtown. Now, you, one of your kids, suppose one of your kids, you're living in Northcrest, went to Fleming. That, that young student would be traveling for an hour and a half oh, by yeah. bus. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, he actually asked me to buy him a bicycle because he thought he'd get there a lot quicker. And there was it? Oh, yeah. And there were a lot of days where he just didn't bother going to class. And right. In fact, he ended up leaving Fleming and thought it would be just easier to live in Durham Region and go to Durham College. It, I don't understand why there isn't a route in the city that goes from the north end straight across the city right. to Fleming. You know, they... Those young people, they're a major contributor to our economy here. Um, and then most that have to take the bus ask for that simplicity. They're not buying cars, the cost of tuition and books. And so they want to be able to get between the two places. There are a lot of uh, doors I've knocked on where there are 
uh, tenants where they live in the north and, and actually attend school across town. So being able to get on one bus, you know, I, I, I find, a, you know, set the one that's kind of comical that all the buses show up at the same time and they all leave at the same time. So you have to synchronize your watch because, you know, if you do get downtown and you decide to go get a, uh, a drink or a coffee or something and come back to catch a bus, if you weren't there when all the others showed up, you know, well, you missed your bus. Yeah. So we have to look at the, the fact that there are certain places people need to get to and figure out how we get them there quicker than it does if they were to drive their own vehicle there. I found it amazing that the industrial park, that you can take public transit to the industrial park in Peterborough. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, over the Bensoff uh, Road uh, where all the uh, Mercedes plant, or uh, Rolls-Royce plants are. No, there's no public transit over there. Okay. <laughs> we learn things. <laughs> now, one thing in talking about public transit, of course, it brings up the idea that could you uh, tell us just a bit more about your background? Like, What have you done prior to this and, and what you bring in terms of skill sets and experience to the campaign? Well, I, I bring a, a number of years uh, of experience. I mean, I started with my political interest actually when I was 14. Uh, you know, I was just a young person interested in deliver flyer for a very popular mayor in Calgary. Right, <laughs> right. Subsequently, a premier. Right. Over the years, I've worked with organizations like the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, and and the function there was to sit down with the stakeholders, get their views on where the priority for government should be. You know, prior to the Taxpayers Federation was the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. And I met with a lot of business owners out of Manitoba and Ontario. And we talked about what the priorities for government should be for the business community as well. So, and I also spent a very brief period of time uh, with the Center for Policy Alternative uh, and made a contribution to one of their budgets for the Saskatchewan government. And professionally, you're, you're in IT sales? I'm in IT sales. I was for the uh, last 13 years. I've uh, started a small uh, home renovation business, uh, Hammer and Nails General Contracting. So I, I understand the issues as they relate to the business community as well. And most of my uh, initiatives are done outside of the city of Peterborough. Right, because I, that's interesting. I, I didn't know that because one of the issues, certainly, that I heard at the doors is how hard it is to start a small business in Peterborough from the point of view of jumping through all the hoops and getting all the certifications. Yeah, there is a great deal of difficulty in, in doing it. And, uh, and again, the type of businesses that you want to start as well. You know, we do have a population base of only 88,000 uh, and growing. So any real opportunities, you seem to be hedging outside of the city. You know, my major business, we have got new home builders that uh, you compete against. So, you know, established homeowners look for you to do smaller services for them outside the city limits. You're running again. If you could uh, step into a time machine and go back and give advice to your 2014 self about next time, <laughs> what would you say to that individual? <laughs> Register earlier, work faster, work harder. <laughs> I mean, you know, getting lawn signs uh, prepared, getting that access to a list of electors and the polls and knowing the preliminary information, what the voter turnout was like in each of the polls would have been helpful. This time we have that information, so we know where to you know, put a lot of focus. Um, not that we're going to ignore any sections of the ward because we want to make sure we have an opportunity to talk to everybody. But, but you know, getting out there, um, our initial mailer, because we couldn't get to all the doors in such a short period back in uh, 2014, so we did a mail out through Canada Post, but you know that mail out went out after the uh, first round of voting for the advanced polls. 
So I, I did talk to folks. I said, well, had we known right. that you were running, you know, you would have gotten this vote. But this time around, we're making sure that we're well and prepared of the online voting date, the advanced poll dates, and, and voting date. Yeah, I, uh, there's quite a few cl- candidates had the experience of knocking on doors about two weeks before the voting day and people saying, well, gee, that, that's interesting, but I've already voted uh, because of online voting, which is great. So, Stephen, just before we uh, sign off, are there any last issues you'd like to put out there that you'd like um, uh, voters to keep in mind as they look at your uh, candidacy up in Northcrest? Well, Bill, I've been, like I said, I've been a Peterborough resident for the last 15 years. And when I moved here, I saw Peterborough as a great place to live. I mean, I saw Peterborough as a great place to raise children and, and saw Peterborough as a great place to retire. 15 years later, I still believe in that potential. Um, unfortunately, the current vagile leadership are constantly eroding that potential. You know, with city councilors who are more happily to increase our property taxes without looking for efficiencies, we would put more greater emphasis on the parkway as opposed to protecting our green spaces. Councilors that either does not understand or does not care about economic development. So on the 9th or on the 22nd of October, we do need your vote because we do plan to make sure that Peterborough remains one of the best cities in this country to live. Well, that's great, Stephen. Well, thanks so much for coming by and best of luck in your campaign. Thank you, Bill.